Well, get your Bibles in your hand or on your phone, open up your app, whatever means you have for the word of the Lord. I'm super excited about sharing the word with you this morning. Um, As you get yourself ready, as we center and get our hearts back on the things that are important to God, which is his word and his word and the effect that it has in our lives. Let me invite you, please, to bow your head and let's get into a word of prayer, and then we'll read our our text, which is Titus chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you are doing in our lives. We honor you. We praise you. We give you the glory. We magnify you because you are worthy of it. And when we magnify you, we see your greatness and your goodness. We pray for the word of God that it will bring um, clarity to us, Lord. That Jesus declared he only spoke and did what the Father told him. So we pray, God, that as I minister the word of God, it's only what you want to be said. We need you, Lord God. As we see all that's taking place. On this side of heaven, we need an encounter with the God who created the heaven and the earth. So we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that that will be encountered and experienced today. As we honor, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, would your Bible turn to the book of Titus? It's a short book, a couple of chapters. The book of Titus, written by the Apostle Paul. And my assignment this morning is to position us in a manner of which our mind and our heart will expand and that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has a purpose for us and that we must be stewards of that purpose and that we will trust God. I often tell the council when we meet and we discuss kingdom assignments, I said our responsibility is to put everything on the table and trust that the wind of the Holy Spirit will blow on the table and whatever remains, God is saying, I want you to accomplish this. And so that is what I believe he's doing in this hour with this ministry and with you and with me is that the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing and he says, whatever remains. That's what I want you to do. And so in Titus chapter number 1, verse 1 to 3, it reads, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And it says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And now Paul gives the purpose of why he's writing this particular book to these individuals, which is really, it's geared towards his spiritual son, Titus. He says, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of of the truth which accords with godliness. So there is a connection between belief and behavior. And he's saying that as you come to understand who you are and whose you are, when you have the knowledge of the truth, that will affect then the way that you behave. Remember now, Titus is going to be pastor in this church, it's a pastoral epistle. And so the Apostle Paul wants to make sure that he understands that this is called the faith of God's elect. I want you to write this down, and I want you to get a hold of this. 
Know the difference between your ability. Write this down. Your ability to choose. Write it down. You got to know the difference between your ability to choose and being chosen. You will hear a lot of preaching about your ability to choose. But very few will preach about your chosen. And what Paul is saying here is not addressing your ability to choose. He's addressing the fact that you're elect, so you've been chosen. And because you're chosen, godliness now becomes something you embrace. Because it's the God factor. If you don't get this, the rest of what Paul is teaching Titus, as he's entering a very hostile place, called the creeds who are known as liars, cheaters, just like us today, right? You know what I mean? Just relevant. In the world we live in, of where we have to be able to have an assurance and a hope that God is for us and not against us. Come on. And so he goes on and he's, Wants them to understand that. So from this day forward, the way you destroy sin in your life is not you embrace the fact you have a choice to resist sin. It's because you've been chosen out of sin. Come on. You got to write that down because some of our struggles, God is saying, why are you struggling in that area? That's an issue of the flesh and you don't understand who you are and whose you are. So there are things you have to work out. But there's things that's already been worked in you. Come on. Oh, this is so good. And I haven't even gotten to the second verse yet. The moment you gave your heart to the Lord, you are no longer just created by God. You're no longer just a child of God. You are now chosen by God. Oh, come on. I'm telling you right now, there's a struggle you're facing, and the issue is not Satan. You just don't know that you're chosen. He will make you all day say you're created by God. Because people argue, I was born this way. Come on. That's because the enemy has them in the realm of creation. And if we become a child of God, we can become religious knowing that we're a child of God. And have false security. Come on. But when you're chosen, you understand that he says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I supersede the ability I gave you because I have more authority than your ability. Oh, come on. And when we understand that, you understand what Paul was saying to Titus. He's saying, Titus, this message that I'm giving you to give to this particular church, they have to know that they are elected by God. Oh, my. So the gathering place, I say it over and over again, God brought me here because God says, I've chosen you, Rowan, to go to a people I've chosen. Oh, come on. And that's how I pastor. I don't pastor you based on creation because you can battle and debate me all day about behavior. I'm not going to waste my time arguing over behavior because you will always say, oh, I want to have it my way. And because of your ability to choose, anything I do that supersedes that, I'll be judgmental. So I don't speak to that part of you. I speak to the reality that you've been chosen by God. And there's a work he's doing in you. Come on. 
and knowing you're elected by God, how you see life is so different. And Paul is saying, Titus, you can't see life like how they see it. You can't, you can't pull them. You can't influence them if you're like them. And so he goes on and he says, I want you to understand that. That's just first one. I can close the Bible and go home right there. Amen. Let that sink in right there. I keep hearing the Lord say, well, their struggle is because they won't release their ability so Mike can have my authority. You're holding on to things that God has said. It's not benefiting you at all. It's pleasurable, but it's not purposeful. Come on. And so he's writing and he's telling them this and then he goes on and he says, here's why in verse number two, in hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted. That's it, TGP, by the command of God, our Savior. So what we are doing, we have been entrusted by God. We can't get out of it even if we tried. That there's an assignment that God has for us, a, a place that God has taken us, that we must get there. Why? Because it's about legacy and not just longevity. Come on, somebody. It's about leaving something for a generation yet not born. It's leaving a legacy for my grandson. Come on. It's not longevity. It's not how long I live. I praise God I live a long life, but I would rather leave a legacy than have longevity. Come on. Ooh. So God is calling us as a church. He said, you got to preach this gospel. You have to live this way. Why? Because it's about legacy that this church exists because I'm the one that's giving it life. I'm the one that's giving it life. I'm the one that's giving it life. And so what he wants us to understand is this. God is the promise keeper. And not just a promise maker. There's a big difference between God who makes promises, but the God who can keep those promises. Come on. That's where the battle is. That's where the battle is. There's over 7,000, according to one theologian or one research that I read, that says over 7,000 promises of God in the Bible. 7,000 of them. And so uh, Walt Kaiser, he points out, he says that in many of the books in the Bible, it's really about the promised plan of God. A New Testament scholar, Scott Haifman, says the message of the Bible is this, the God of promise and the life of faith. He summarized the entire New Testament by declaring that's what it is. And so here is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking now, and he brings up this rich theology in the midst of his introduction. This is just Paul's introduction of his letter. And we're going to be able to camp right because there's so much rich theology. You see, the Apostle Paul, in his introduction, realized that he was called by God to promote the faith of God's elect. He realized that I exist to promote the faith. To promote the faith. He says, I exist to promote the faith. And so you will have knowledge of the truth. That you will know that you are chosen by God. Why? Because you have been given the grace of God in your life for God's purpose. Someone say purpose. Purpose is a good word. 
It's how God operates. And so what I want to describe to you is that Paul is a model of a leader for life. And that's why we began by offering you the goal setting and goal achievement. Leaders for life. And we're going to continue on that for the next year. Why? Because it's important that we understand that I am chosen by God to promote the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth. So in other words, God chose me. He called me by faith. And so I promote now the knowledge of truth. Why? Because as he wrote here, there's lies out there. There's lies. And so he goes on. And so Paul then... He unpacks all of this and he gives us a rich theological doctrine in his introduction. And so here's what Paul wants to recognize. He's saying, Titus, you must know who you are. You must know that you're chosen and not just a child of God. You must know that you're chosen. He goes on and says, you must know the purpose of life as a believer. As a kingdom believer, we have to know the purpose of life. He mentions that, write this down, faith is important. He writes down hope is important. He lets us know that patience is important. He gives all these things and then he wraps it up and given the attribute of God, which is really this God is a promise keeper. He's not just saying that he's a promise maker. He says he's deep in that. He's a promise keeper. Any one of us can make a promise. Just open your mouth. It doesn't take anything to make a promise. You can write a promise. You can speak a promise. But what we have to understand is that where the real power comes in is the ability to keep the promise. And so here's the deal is that given how life has been dealing with us since 2019, 2020. And I don't know about you, but I keep asking God, when will this thing be over? Can I get a witness up in this place? If you haven't asked the question, when will these politicians just retire? I'm about to mess around. Yeah, when will we get back to? It ain't happening. That's not happening. If you haven't noticed by now, that ain't happening. It's a new reality for the body of Christ. And so we see now that now more than ever, and I quote, where there seems to be no solid ground beneath our feet, we stand on the promises of God. And we stand on the promise of God, but people are still dying. Relationships are still deteriorating. Come on. Life is still happening. You have a promise from God, but life didn't get the memo. Come on, somebody. Right? You, God gave you a promise, and, and you're here, grow back, you know, you're all good. But life says, I didn't get that memo. And so in the midst of having a promise from God, we get great at quoting it, but do we really believe it? And so Paul wants Titus to know that, listen, 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 Titus, you've got to understand that the promises of God is where we begin. But there's something greater about the God who gave the promise. He says here, and I quote, God promises play a vital role in helping believers grow in sanctification. And in the moments of struggle demonstrates faith and at the time of suffering, to have patience because there is hope in the midst of all that's taking place. God is not asleep. God knows exactly what's going on. And he's given us his promises that we can hold on to. That we can hold on to. 
So I want to encourage you today and for the rest of 2022 is to go through your Bible and highlight the promises of God. You got to start there because it's in that start that we're able to understand the depth. Someone say the depth. Come on, you got to understand the depth of God and who he is. If we are going to make a difference and step into the new reality, we have to go deeper in our understanding of God. Listen, what got you saved and that early prayer, that's not going to keep you. Come on, listen to me. That you have to be growing in sanctification. You got to be growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you're not growing, come on, if you're still learning elementary stuff. And you're in danger and you're in trouble. We've got to go deeper. Someone say go deeper. See, so the promise of God, these promises are absolutely amazing. They're, they're beautiful and they give us stability. They give us something to hold on to at a funeral. You gotta have the promise of God of a resurrection. You gotta have something to hold on to. In the midst of destruction in your home, in the midst of all that's taking place, there's got to be something. And so we search throughout the scriptures to find the promises of God. But there will be moments, my brothers and sisters, when the promises of God, unfortunately, will seem powerless to quiet our fears. There will be moments in your life where the promises of God will not soothe our grief. It will not lift our worries or motivate our obedience. Simply just on the promise of God, his ability to make a promise doesn't necessarily, when life comes, causes us to be motivated to be obedient. I want that to sink in right now. God, who is almighty, can give you a promise. He can make a promise, and yet there will still be moments where what you're going through seems larger than the God who gave the promise. Let's be honest. I got our both hands and feet up. Come on. And so what we need is to understand that Paul recognized this when he was talking to Titus. And I want to let you know as well that as God has given us our assignment and trusted things to us, as we hold on to the promise, there will be moments of where the circumstance on the outside will seem greater than the God who gave it the promise on the inside. But there is hope. Someone said there's hope. There is hope because what Paul did was he introduced not just the God of promises. Paul introduced the promise keeper. And what we want to do this morning is to shift your mind as the elect and to recognize and get a revelation, a new reality of the promise keeper. What I'm about to share with you absolutely is going to make you see God in a different way and let you tell that devil to shut up and get out of your life. Come on. Come on and tell that fear he's got to go, right? Tell fear you got to go. You got to go. So what we need to do is more than simply hear his promises again. That's preaching. And hear the message of preaching. And, and we'll hear the message of preaching. And we'll leave this place. And as soon as we get outside and you hit the snow and the cold or something happens, you get a phone call. All of a sudden, what happened to your Sunday morning session? Guess what happened? It goes right out the window. And you go back to normal. We go right back to normal again. So it's almost like life is waiting outside the door. Like, hey, who's first to come out? See? And the moment you leave, the moment you leave, all of a sudden your kids get on your last nerves. 
Because life is waiting out there. And so what we have to understand is that it's not just simply hearing his promises again and again and again. What we need is assurance and hope. We need to behold the God who gives the promise for he is the promise keeper. And once you know the promise keeper, every promise that comes from God is yes in Christ and amen to the glory of God. That's a rich text right there in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Right after he talks about the comfort. Come on. Right after he talks about that, he goes into and talks about that. All the promises of God are yes in Christ and are amen to the glory of God. And in this series that we're talking about, we're going to see that the promise keeper, right, is different than keeping promises. That you can't keep a promise without knowing the promise keeper. So if you're telling your family and friends and you're giving them promises, you need to know the promise keeper so you have the power to keep the promise. Oh. And so what he's saying is this, church, you got to be promise keeping. Come on. And ready? And truth telling. <laughs> It's so good. It's called the two sides of promise. There's promise keeping and there's truth telling. And so we have to know the promise keeper. And so, so I want you to go to Genesis. You know me. We have to always go back to Genesis, right? So come on. In my time, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to show you something, a revelation of the promise keeper that I've never seen until I was studying this. And I was like, look at, look at, look at here. This was something. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. What I always say, everything begins in Genesis. Everything begins in Genesis. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. So we're going to introduce to you the promise keeper. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, this is what it says. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, the man and his wife, so both, hid themselves from where? The presence of the Lord. God among the trees of the garden. So in introducing the promise keeper, here's the first thing I'm realizing about the promise keeper and how the promise keeper have to keep his word. And so the question I was asking, so God, why did you show up? Why didn't you just call them from a different place? Like, why did you actually go to where they were? And here is what was said. He said, because if I didn't, I would give the enemy, come on, grounds to say that I don't keep my promise. I told them when I created them that I've given you my spirit. That I've breathed into the breath of life and man became a living being. And so what he's saying is that I am committed to you because I gave my word. My word was this, write this down. I promise never to leave you. That's the first thing with the promise keeper. He says, I promise to never leave you. And so all of a sudden, what happened? They separated from God. They disobeyed God. And God was showing up as he consistently was, was, was always doing. And they hid from him. But God came and says, listen, though you're inconsistent, though you're unfaithful, I must remain faithful. Come on. Though you broke a promise, I can't break a promise. And so in the midst of their condition of where they were exposed to the elements and their eyes were open and they saw that they were naked and they disobeyed God. Come on, can I add more things to it? And everything that was wretched and everything that was against God and everything that was violated, God, God still says, I'm the promise keeper and I promise I'll never leave you. Ready for this? Not just because you're my creation. Come on. In time, we can say that's what it was. And that's because you're my children. He says, the reason why I'm a promise keeper and the reason why I never left you is because you're chosen. 
Come on, somebody. On this side of heaven, we see failure and we see a separation. And God says, yes, I have to judge it. But the enemy now is trying to set God up to do what? Discredit his character as a promise keeper. The enemy is saying, God, you can make all the promises you want, but can you keep a promise when they're in sin? Oh, God. And so the enemy is trying to bring up a barrier, come on, between God and his word. Not God and you, but God and his word. Hey, I gave my word, I won't leave you. Not because of you, but because of me. I gave my word. You can be unfaithful, but God has said, I can never be unfaithful. And so when you separate it from me, God says, I can't separate from you. Come on, somebody. That's a good place to give God praise and glory. My God, if you ever got a revelation of who you are and the price that God paid, as Minister Rick said, for your life, God says, I will make every barrier open up for you. Come on. There is nothing that would stand and hold me against my love for you. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Why? He's the promise keeper. He said, I promise never to leave you. You left me, but God said, I never left you. And that's dangerous because some people will confuse God's covenant with God's approval. You with him because God's there and you feel him in your big toe. That God must be okay. And God's like, no, I gave my word. I came to you because of my word. Come on. I came to you because of my word. Not because of your worries. I came to you because of my word. Oh, that's so good. He goes, the promise keeper. That's the first thing we have to recognize right now. That wherever you are, God is saying, I promise never to leave you. Never to leave you. And that's dangerous when we have the ability to make choices. And God knew that and still said, I'm still not going to take that away from you. And so we look at freedom. And we don't see freedom as God sees it. Because freedom without truth is really not freedom. Right? Freedom needs the ability to see truth. Not the lies, but the truth. I'm told that when you work at a bank, they don't show you the counterfeit. They show you the true. The truth. The authentic currency. And because you see the truth so much, you have the ability now, the freedom to recognize the truth from the false. And so what God has always been about is truth, not about false. It's always been about truth. Why? And the truth is, I promise I'll never leave you. That's the first thing I promise you. I got to get off of that. So watch this now. So now in Genesis, go to Genesis chapter 3, right? Go to verse 22 and verse 24. If you thought that was a nugget, wait till you see this one. So God's behavior, his nature, just at that, when he says, Adam, where are you? And he comes to show up. That alone should get us on our knees. But God's like, I'm not done yet. As the promise keeper, there's also another dimension of who I am and my nature. And now in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22 to verse 24, listen to what it says. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Who's speaking? God is. He says, behold, the man, after all the judgment, right, after all the judgment took place. So God didn't uh, 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 bypass what they did. Judgment came. So the promises of God are both, and when God promises something, he has to fulfill what is so God judges. So he judges the serpent. He judges man. He judges the woman. He judges the earth. He does all of that, and he says, I'm not finished. I'm a promise keeper. 
And then he says, the man has become like one of us, knowing what? Good and evil. Now look at this. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat. I'll make sure it's up there. And do what? They already sinned. Their eyes were open. And he goes and I promise never to leave you. And then on top of that, he brings the judgment. And now he's not finished. He goes, I have one more thing to do as the promise keeper. He goes and says this now. Lest they eat of the tree of life and do what? Live. Live forever in that condition. Oh, come on. So eternal was always in the mind of God. We think eternity starts when you get to heaven. Oh, no, it started the moment you confess Christ. So everything you do, there's a promised future. Oh, come on, somebody. But there's a God who meets you in your present. And so he gives you a promise. He makes a promise about your future that brings hope and anticipation and things are going to be okay and all things are going to work together for good. And he says, I'm making all things new. But God shows up again and he says, listen, listen, I come here and he says, unless they live forever in that condition. And this is what he does. Therefore, the Lord God sent them out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground land from which he was taken. So he's saying now, watch it. He drove out the man, verse 24, at the east and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim, cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to do what? To guard the way to what? To the tree of life. So as the promise keeper, God makes a promise. Let us make man of lights in their image. Let them have dominion. He's just declaring. He's just declaring. From Genesis chapter 1, all you hear is God's word. And God said. And God said. And God said. What was God doing? God was declaring promises. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. So when God speaks over your life, it has to be what he said. Creation, it gets it, but we are the greatest creation, and we're confused about it. He says, let there be the sun. It comes up, it does not say anybody's permission, and it rises again. The sun just obeys what God said it to do. And he makes man. And because the power of choice, the ability to choose, We miss what God wants for us. The promise keeper, two things, is number one, he promised never to leave us. And number two, write this down, he was protecting his promise. He was protecting his promise that they're going to live forever with him. Live forever with him. And so that's the backdrop of which Paul is writing to Titus now. And he's saying, Titus, you have to understand this particular teaching that he'll never leave you. So, so Titus, have courage, have hope, have faith, have patience, have assurance. God is with you. He's with you, Titus. And number two, he's going to protect his promise. So whatever word that God spoke over your life, he is going to protect it. And how does he do that? Come on, fellas. You go to Hebrews chapter 4. For the word of God is sharpening a two-edged sword. You see the connection? That pierces to the divine of sunder and knows the spirit, the joints, the marrow, and the end of the heart. And so he's saying now that if you want to know the promise keeper, read his word. Why? Because the word of God protects his promise. In other words, when you read a promise, it connects to the promise keeper. So when your feelings are one way, you go to the promise keeper and not just look at the promise. So the point is this. What is the promise? 
This is the promise. And John writes about this. And John says this in 1 John 2 verse 24. Because Paul begins and says in hope of what? And so in 1 John 2 24 and 1 John 2 25, John actually explains what I just taught you from Genesis chapter 3. John says, let me give it to you now in a version of the New Testament. And so John goes up now in 1 John, turn your Bibles there, because he now says, um, I will never leave you. Is really this in 1 John 2 verse 24. Write this down. So this is the promise. So we looked at introducing the promise keeper. This is the promise. Now promises, this is the promise. It's from this promise that we have the promises of God. And although there are 7,000 promises, I'm going to let you know right now that the Bible reveals to us as we look at church history that there's really three main promises that God has given us. Those three main promises are the ones that we look at, and all of life is connected to these three that God has given, and we're going to look into that. But this is the promise. Someone say with me, this is the promise. So someone says, man, what did God promise you? You're going to tell them, this is the promise. When you're looking for financial prosperity and everything like that, and God has promised you those things, yes, he has. But when someone says, what is the promise? You're going to say, ready? This is the promise. And so John writes it now, and John says, number one, this is the promise, fellowship with God. Verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in what the Son and who? And in the Father. He's telling us that this was the original design when God said, let us make man. It was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he made man, and the promise was fellowship with God. And that has never changed. Empires have risen up. Empires have gone down. There's been great inventions and things that happen. But the ultimate promise is this, fellowship with God. So when you're going through a struggle and the unfortunate tragedy of a death of somebody, or you're going through all that's taking place and you're losing hope and you're losing faith, and someone says, why are you still believing God? You tell them, this is the promise. Oh, fellowship with God. Come on. Because what I don't want to lose is fellowship with God. And so tragedy and the enemy will bring accusation and the enemy will bring all sorts of things. Listen to me. God is not the author of evil. He's not. Write that down. He's not. So when death takes place, that's because of sin. That's the enemy. God is the God of life. And so if somebody dies, uh, 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 Moses writes about it, about how long we're supposed to live. But don't confuse your earthly temple for your eternal state. Come on. That as the elect, you never die. Uh, Y'all don't believe that? Because when you know that you're invincible, when you understand that death can't harm you, come on, it actually promotes you into your original state. You will do great things for God. You will get out of your comfort zone. The greatest tragedy that we fear is death. That's why when you hear about COVID, we get afraid. Why? Because it speaks of death. And the enemy uses it with the airways and sends it across. Who needs to know how many cases? Come on, somebody. That's the devil. That's 
That's the devil trying to get in the atmosphere saying, you can't mess with me because I have the power of death. And God says, you may have the power, but I got the authority. Come on, somebody. And when I speak life, I speak life. When you understand, my God, my God, my God. Lazarus is dead. No, he's not. He's sleeping. Lazarus is dead. No, he's sleeping. That's what Jesus said. But he had to get to their reality. He says, okay, yeah, he's dead. I'm trying to convince you of who you are, but you keep going back to the enemy and you keep promoting lies. So he says, oh, no, no, this was for the glory of God. This was for the glory of God. Come on. This is for the glory of God. So if God allows it, it's for the glory of God. Not because he authored it. Come on, somebody. God is so good. God is so good. Oh, my time is going. God is so good. Fellowship with God is the promise. Fellowship with God is the promise. Fellowship with God. So whenever we're seeing things that's taking place, um, as a pastor, I'm talking to people and they're saying, Pastor, my heart is broken. I don't have any hope. I've got this. I've got that. I asked them, what did God promise you? I'm ignoring the grieving of the loss. But you don't know who you are. I mean, my goodness. Fellowship with God is what the early believers longed for. They longed for it. They're like, we want Jesus more than anything. It's fellowship with God. And we treat that so lightly. And we allow things in our lives that threatens that. And we allow pleasure to part us from fellowship with God. Not God from us, but us from God. Fellowship with God. How could you walk away from that? That's what there's the big debate about this, this, this God's elect and how do you walk away? The arrogance for us to think that the God who keeps his promise, that we would actually use our own ability to walk away from fellowship with God. <laughs> Minister Blaine, that just blows my mind. When everybody else forsakes you, you listen, man, we give, we give people more credit than we give God. Someone breaks their promise. Ah, you're just human. God doesn't break his promise. You acknowledge his godness. Come on. It's amazing. It's amazing. The amount of people walk away from church and God's like, what did I do to you? No, what did I do to you? I'm still here. Yeah, but this person broke their promise. Yeah, of course they did. Of course they broke their promise. Read Genesis chapter 3. Of course they break their promise. But God says, I'm going to fellowship with you. Because this is the promise. And so this nation, why I believe God is working this nation? Because God won't break his promise. You hear what I'm saying? Church, we should be the ones who shouts loud, this is the promise. Say it with me, this is the promise. Fellowship with God. He's not finished. And then he goes into verse 25 of 1 John chapter 2, verse 25. And he says, and this is the promise that he made to us, 
eternal life. I am absolutely consumed with this passion inside of me. Please, for the love of God, stop living comfortable and go after the promises of God in your life. Knowing the promise keeper will never leave you or forsake you. Please just don't get fire insurance. But get on fire for the one who loves you. If all you're satisfied with is you said a prayer when you were a kid. If that's all that God means to you. If your heart is not, is not being broken for, for broken promises made by people. Come on, we got politicians and we got celebrities who will make a promise and they'll break it and we give them grace and forgiveness. And here God is saying, what about me? We would have to get a massive building of all the people who left church. Why? Because they said God did something to them. That they realized that God says, I never left you. That was the devil. It wasn't me. That was someone who used their ability and allowed the devil to come in. Jesus called it out. He says, hey, um, the moment Judas made a choice, Satan entered him. That's what was used by the enemy. To destroy what they thought was the purpose of God. But Jesus recognized. Destroy this temple. Come on. And in three days I'll rise up again. Why? Because my daddy promised me I'll make it back to glory. Come on. I'll make it back to where he is. As we turn our voices and we sing this anthem. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. So God promised me, promised you, your children and your household will be saved. The enemy wants to get your focus on your kids' bad behavior and lose the promise keeper. And so you're praying for someone to be healed and you're believing God and you're declaring God and, and the person passes away. What you do is you walk away from God. God's not a healer. God's like, that wasn't my promise. Come on. My promise is eternal life. And so here's how I pray from now on. I say, God, have mercy. Your word says you are the healer. And so as much that I could do on this side of heaven, I speak life. But I am comforted in knowing that that person knows you. Oh, come on. And they will never lose their fellowship with you. Come on. And while my heart is heavy because I want that person to fellowship with me. More importantly, I want them to fellowship with God. I'm not that selfish. Come on, somebody. I'd rather than fellowship with God and live forever than live here and not know Jesus and die and be separated forever. Let's get a priority straight. This is the promise. TGP. Fellowship with God. Fellowship with God. Oh, we're going to sing, but can I just... Even the devils know whether you're fellowship with God. 
Apostle Paul was walking around casting out devils. Get out, get out, get out. Just get out. Some people saw that and says, hey, hey, we want to do that as well. And they walked up to the demon. They went and they says, in the name that Paul preaches. (laughs) And the demon opened up his mouth and says, "Um, Paul, I know, fellowship with God. And Jesus, I know, because he whooped us. Paul, I know. And Jesus, I know. Oh, come on, somebody. But then he says, who are you? He didn't care if you were a creation of God. Who are you? He didn't care if you were a child of God. Who are you? Come on. He wanted to know, do you know you're chosen? Come on. Do you know that you have eternal life? Do you know that God lives in you? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so what we must understand is this. This is the promise. Fellowship with God and life eternal. Mm. You get a bad report. Fellowship with God. Come on. And life eternal. My finances are dry. Fellowship with God and life eternal. He's the way maker. He's a miracle worker. And he is the promise keeper. Praise team. Come on. Let's sing that anthem. I want you to shout. This is the promise. Come on. Shout it. This is the promise. Fellowship with God. When all tragedy is taking place and people are saying, where is your hope? Fellowship with God. What does your marriage need? Fellowship with God. What does your finance need? Fellowship with God. God is opening doors for this ministry. And one of the things I'm going to keep preaching is the promises of God. It's fellowship with God. It's the Son and the Father living inside of me. Oh, come on. 